Welcome to Grace Covenant Church, D.C. You're listening to our weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this message. I invite you to stand with me. We're going to read Psalm 27. It will appear on the screen. You can follow along. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war arise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle, In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice and be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, so Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over to the desire of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're our teacher, you're our guide, you're our helper. Amen. Please be seated. The psalm I just read was inspired by God during a moment in the life of David. Uh, His world was really dark at that moment. This is the same David who we know from the Bible uh, defeated Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine and he was a giant. And David became a hero that day. It's important to understand that we're in our series called All Things. Our key verse has been Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, all things. I mentioned to you that last October, I recognized that although I say all things, I think some things, these things, but not those things, right? There are some things we look upon favorably in our life and some things we look upon unfavorably. But Paul is writing that all things actually work together for good. And he is writing in the context of suffering for Christ and saying that these present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed. Um, God help us, right? So David, when he writes this, it's significant. It is a, a moment where he is the future king of the nation. The current king is Saul. He's only the future king. And he's gone from being future king to being fugitive really quickly. 
And he's a fugitive for about 10 years, 10 difficult years where nothing seems like it's working together for good, even though he's called according to God's purpose. So we want to walk through some of the psalm and ask God to help us to learn some of the lessons that David did that helped him during a difficult moment in his life. How many have ever been in a spot where your world has been really, really dark? Three people. God have mercy on us four and bless everybody else. Really dark. Dark relationally. Dark missionally. So dark. It's like when you're at camp for the week and it's midnight and your hand is in front of your face and you can't see your own hand. That's the kind of darkness that David is experiencing when he writes this. And he says, the Lord is my light. That's what he writes. This is a psalm that was born out of an inspiration from God in a time that for him was just absolutely miserable. Miserable. Really, really hard. Sometimes when you're going through things that are really hard, there's a tendency to feel hopeless, despair, um, overwhelmed, alone. Nobody else understands, and nobody's going through what I'm going. Life's busy, moving faster than you can keep up with. If you live in the city, I don't have to explain how busy it is to live in D.C. You wake up, you go to sleep, maybe, and you try to remember what happened in the last 18 hours. And then you start it all over again, right? I'm just glad to see your face this morning. So why this psalm? Psalms were written not only to be read, but they were sung. I enjoyed worship this morning as we were singing songs to God. I loved the expressiveness, the the lifting of the hands, uh, the dancing. You look out and people are moved um, deeply in their souls. Tears begin to give expression to what words would fail. And, you, and you, you realize we're not just singing a song. There's an expression of the heart toward God. Um, some of the greatest songs that are sung actually are songs that inspire our faith because we're singing them while we're in the middle of the struggle, right? Uh, artists like Yolanda Adams, anybody remember her? I got victory. You know that song? Depends. I got to go across different genres to touch this whole audience. Country music tells that story, right? Uh, Mary and I were together in Nashville at the Ryman, and I didn't grow up listening to country. But sometimes you just leave the station there a little bit long. Like, if you just listen to the story, right, it's, it's a serious story. And some of it's really painful and hard. But it, the psalms that were written, David, when he did become king, would give direction to sing these songs. Some of the songs were lamentations, lamenting. Some of them were about the pain. But it was, it was all directed toward God and who he is. And that's what this Psalm 21, 27 speaks to. It's who God is. So when you look at David's life, he's the youngest of all his siblings, um, at least all the boys. He has sisters as well. You see their names in other parts of the Bible. And David was a shepherd. Most of the people know this story, so I won't go through it in detail. But long story short, there's a moment when Samuel, Samuel's a prophet, and he, uh, he lives in a, a place, where uh, Ramah, where he travels the circuit through all the cities and, um, and speaks God's words to the people, prophetic encouragement. How many of you ever been encouraged by the word of God, someone praying for you? Just like, you write that down. I mean, we have ways of recording it today, and you listen to it, and you get encouraged by it. And um, Saul, who was the king, um, God anointed him to become king. In fact, Samuel uh, took the oil, 
poured it over Saul and said, for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Now, you never made that statement unless you were anointing the guy who's going to become king. Because to become king meant you were the leader. It meant so many things. So Saul became the king, but he didn't walk. He had gaps in his leadership. Everybody does. But his gaps were so severe that even though his upfront presence and winning victories and battles was good, behind the scenes, he had more fear of man than he had of God. And he made some bad choices. Um, and he sinned against God to the point where God said, I'm sorry I made him king. I'm going to choose somebody else. I found a man who has a heart after me. So God chose David. And the same Samuel who anointed uh, Saul is now the Samuel who's anointing David. And when he anoints David, it's a private ceremony, not public. It was done that way on purpose because you don't usually anoint the next king while there is a sitting king. Not a good look. So God said, go have this private moment. And so Jesse is there with his sons, and everyone's present except David. He's the youngest. He's out to take care of the sheep. Some believe that he had a different mom than his brothers. Whatever the case, he wasn't invited. And Samuel went down every single brother. And God said, none of them are the one I've chosen. Uh, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So Saul looks at Jesse and said, this year, these are all your boys? I said, well, I got one more. Who? David. But he go get him. David walks him and God goes, get up. Anoint him. He's the one. And so Samuel steps up, steps to David. He pours the oil on him. He anoints him as king privately. It would be years before he set in publicly. But it says in that moment, the spirit of the Lord came on him powerfully. Now, you need to hold on to that. When the spirit of the Lord comes on, as we see in the Old Testament, New Testament, spirit of the Lord comes in. Spirit of the Lord comes on David from that day forward for God's purpose, not David's. But when the Spirit of the Lord comes on him, David's got nothing. I want you to know that when you're in a spot where you feel like you've got nothing, you have nothing, if the Spirit of the Lord is on you or in you, you have everything. Because the Spirit of the Lord produces what is not visible to the eye, but what God intends to bring about for his own purpose, all of it gets produced through the Holy Spirit. So never think of God's purpose being done, unfolding in us as a people, in you individually, based on your level of education, based on what's in your checking account or savings account or retirement, based on resources you have available to you. If the Holy Spirit is on you or in you, then whatever God has purpose will come to pass. And the word he has spoken is that which we need to hold to our hearts and not let go of, even when the world goes dark. That just means the word of the Lord is being tested in that moment. So you can imagine then, with the Spirit of the Lord on him, one day there's an enormous battle. Saul and Israel are lined up on one side. The Philistines, their enemies, are lined up on the other side. There's a huge valley in between them. And they're about to go to battle. One of the protocols of battle allows for something unique. We don't have to have a lot of bloodshed. You send your best man. We send our best man. We let them have it out. Whoever wins, victory goes to that team. So the Philistines sent forth Goliath, giant of a man, 
menacing, standing nearly 10 feet tall. For 40 days, he is taunting the entire nation of Israel. Bring, bring it on. Bring your best. And for those 40 days, the nation of Israel is worshiping and cheering God. Go, Israel. Go, Israel. Or who's going to go? Not me. They got the cheering squad, but nobody's going to step on the court. And this is 40 days. Jesse has boys who are in the military, so he's concerned. So he says, David, here, take these cheese. Go give it to the captain, military officers. But check on your brothers. I want to know that they're okay. Mama's daddy, you know it's like when your kids go to battle. Call me now. I know you're going to be in Iraq, but I need to hear from you. I'm concerned. So David goes down. Spirit Lord's on him. All he's got is cheese in his hand. But you can have cheese in the Spirit Lord and have everything. You can have the Spirit Lord and popcorn and you have everything. By the time David arrives to try to inspire men to go, Saul has said, tell you what, whoever kills this guy and brings, you know, just defeats him, I will give him a portion of my kingdom. I will give him my daughter, Michael, in marriage. His family will be tax-free, all this stuff. So as David is arriving, he's giving out the cheese. His brothers look at him, and they're kind of despised. him. what are you doing here? Who's taking care of those sheep? Who told you to come? Hey, hey, leave me alone. Dad told me to bring all this, right? He's a teenager. He's not even old enough to be drafted. If this was the thrill in Manila, he'd be the popcorn guy. Popcorn, popcorn, get your popcorn. He's not the guy who's going to get in the ring. But what does he have on him? Spirit of the Lord. And the Spirit of the Lord just begins to stir something in him. I want you to know there are times when the Spirit of the Lord is just going to stir stuff in you. And you need to respond. And David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is taunting the armies of the living God? I like him. <laughs> who does he think? Who, who? He's a teenager. He is not even in military garb. He's walking around in civilian clothing while the Navy SEALs are up there on the front line. He's like, who does he think he is? David, David, quiet. No, no, no. Tell me what will be done for the man who kills him. Tell me. I want to know. Can you hear the veracity in him? It's really faith stirring up in him. you got to have faith to live in this city. Something's got to stir up inside of you to just go past where everybody else is. And all of a sudden, he says, you know what? God can use me. So they bring him to Saul. Saul's like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) You're bringing me a teenage kid. He says, no, 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 no. One time I was taking care of my daddy's sheep, and I killed a bear, and I killed a lion, and that dude out here will be just like that to me. God will give you some early victories to prepare you for some big ones. Saul looked at him like, David, he's been a warrior since his youth. You are only a youth. I don't know that this is a good matchup. Now, this is like, this is like, uh, mm, I don't know. It's, It's just not a fair fight. And he says, that's all right. So he puts on Saul's armor. It doesn't fit. So another man's armor won't fit you. You need to wear the armor that God put on you. You can't be like anybody else. David goes down. He gets his sling. And he gets five smooth stones. And he goes to the battle line. And he runs. I'm just thinking about the worship song that was sang. What, what was that song? I call your name. 
Say again. Your great name. What are the words? Yeah, but the part when you go, I'm up on your name. <laughs> Something comes on you. I feel your power when I call your name. I feel your might when I call your name. That's how David was. He wasn't going like, ooh, this is a big guy. He was like, he wasn't even looking at him. He was like, all, he was the spirit of the Lord. Was, when the spirit of God is on you, you are beside yourself. It looks like you've lost your mind at times because you're doing what seems to be illogical. You're going to be crushed. Why are we sending this teenage boy out to fight a man's battle and there's no man among us ready to fight? I feel your strength when I call your name. I think Saul looked at him like, he might be crazy, but there's something on him. And Goliath was so offended, he probably threw a shield down like, are you kidding me? You sending me this little boy with sticks and rocks? Oh, they are, yeah, chumps. And David goes, I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air today. And as he spoke, the spirit of the Lord was coming out of him. And when that rock let loose, it was God. Because Jesus is the rock. Hit him in his forehead. It sunk in. He dropped. Can you imagine the whole nation going like, he faking. He's faking. He's good. David, David, watch out. David starts running, charges, takes his own sword. He didn't even have a sword in his hand. Cuts his head off. Now, if this was a movie, it'd be that genre horror. He picks his head up. Sorry. Walks back to Saul. Game over. The whole nation goes, get him! Now, he's probably thinking in that moment, oh my God. The bear and the lion and now Goliath. And in that same moment, Saul's son, who was next in line to become king, his heart was knit with David's heart, and they became covenant brothers, inseparable till their death. And Jonathan died first. I mean, Jonathan just took all his regalia off and put it on him like, you are the man. Oh. What's your name again? David. Yeah. You my boy now. Dad. Dad is Saul. This guy, did you see what he did? And Saul says, you're going to come be on my staff. We're going to put you in charge of the military. We're going to have you do all this stuff. And there was a wedding. He got Michael, Saul's daughter. So he's now son-in-law of the king. His family, tax-free. Could you imagine April 15th, you don't have to file anything? <laughs> For the rest of your life. How much money would you have if from now till you retire, you pay no more taxes? That's how I feel when you call my name. <laughs> David is like, whoo! And Michael, he's, whoo! I get her. My dad, nobody plays taxes. Yes! All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called to It wasn't written yet, but he was living it. Remember we said what? How many things? Yeah, when I call your name. He's up in the palace, sitting at the table with the king. This is a good life. Wow, that prophetic word. Amazing. Then things go sideways. Saul starts looking at David like, hmm, you're getting a little something on you, a little strong, and 
Insecurity and leadership is never good. When the Spirit of God isn't on you anymore and an evil spirit's on you, you can't treat anybody right. They're sitting at dinner one time. David's playing some music because he's a musician and a songwriter. Saul grabs a spear and throws it at him, tries to kill him. Saul tried to kill him up until the day that Saul died. For 10 years of his life, he's trying to outrun Saul. David's talking to Jonathan. Man, look, you my boy, your dad, he's feeling a certain kind of way about me. No, David, David, let me talk to my dad. Let me talk. So Jonathan says, Dad, he's helped you. He killed Goliath. He's benefited us in the hallway. Come on, David. Come on, what's up with David? All right, all right, Jonathan. Jonathan leaves. Y'all go kill him tonight. Kill him in the morning. I don't want to see his face again. He sends a detachment to David's home. Now David is married to his daughter. He's putting his daughter in harm's way. They're, they're asleep during the night, and in the morning they're waiting for David to get up so they can kill him. Michael, his wife, <clears throat> realizes what happens, or is about to happen, and lowers him down through a window. How painful he has to say goodbye to his wife. I don't know when I'm coming back because we have in-law issues. Now he's on the run. Isn't that... That's, that's all, all things. See, once your word starts going dark, and it, it hasn't got as dark as it's going to get, he goes to a place called Nob. Um, there are 85 priests who are there. He shows up. Long story short, he is, he is needing to um, get some supplies. He gets the sword of Goliath. He gets some bread. He gets prayer. And then he goes to Achish uh, in Gath. Gath is where it's Philistia, the Philistines. Remember he killed the Philistines? It's really bad when home is bad, so bad that you got to go live with your enemy. That's real bad. And <clears throat> David has to um, feign madness, act like he's insane. Because the generals of the Philistines say, isn't that the same David who they wrote songs about? Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. Dude, he'll turn on us in a minute. So he has to act insane so that Achilles go, get that man, man out of here. Long story short, he's not living in a cave. Saul is hunting him down like a wild animal. Kills all the priests, kills all the women, kills everybody. This is David sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Remember when Christ was born? Herod killed all the boys of Bethlehem, age two and under. Next time you're going through a trial, check, where was Jesus like this? Because he is allowing you the privilege of suffering as he did. Amen? That's a hard amen, I know. But that's where this psalm comes from. So the first thing he says is, the Lord is my light. There are three points I want you to take away with, and we're done. Two of the points are in this psalm. One of the points is from another psalm. And I'm going to put all three up on the screen for you right now. <clears throat> and we'll use the balance of our time here. He says, seek your face. Number two, what does number two say? Wait on the Lord. And number three, quiet your soul. Those are the three things we have to practice. And you need to live this way all the time, even when your world is not dark. But let's talk about this for a moment and we'll be done. Number one, seek the Lord. He is saying... David in this psalm, when 
you said, seek my face. My heart said, my heart said, your face I will seek. Now he's in a dark place, but he's saying, I'm going to seek your face. Even though it's really, really dark, I'm going to seek your face. You know that moment in the movie, in the big theater, you go to get popcorn and drinks and M&Ms and, you know, all the stuff, and you come back for your family, and the movie has started, and now it's dark in the room, and you start walking up, and you know you're up near the top somewhere, but as you get up and you're on the side, you're just kind of like, you stop and you look, and you realize, I'm seeking, and I'm looking, but I don't know where I'm supposed to be, and I can't see where everybody is. Anybody know that experience? You just, you're just, but there's an intentionality. You're trying to peer through the darkness and figure out where you're supposed to be. This is the kind of seeking after God. When you're in a dark spot, you're just standing there looking, intently seeking. You can't see. You can't penetrate the darkness. It's, 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 it's really, really hard. But you have to wait. That's point number two. Wait on the Lord. And there's a moment while you're seeking and you're waiting and you're seeking and you're waiting. And somebody does this. On the road where you belong. They hold up their phone and the light comes on and you go, ah, that's where we are. David was saying, the Lord is my light. God being our light, the Holy Spirit being our light, does not require darkness to be displaced. He's your light even in the darkness. In fact, Psalm uh, 131 Verse 2, that's the last uh, passage. Let's bring that one up. Psalm 131, verse, verses 1 and 2. But I have calmed, we'll start here. My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. These are the words of David. We'll, we'll wrap up here. I'm so encouraged because when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So you have God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in, Psalm 1, in the Psalms, Psalm 139, it says, The darkness is as light to God. So when darkness is present and God says, let there be light, he does not say, let there be light, because he needs to see. Because darkness and light, for him, do not change his vision or ability to observe what's present. This is good for us. So when he says, you are my light, remember in the day, I don't know if they still do this, you walk into the movie theater and it's dark, and there's a person ahead of you and they have a little pin light and they go, Watch your step right this way. Watch your step. They do not turn the light on for you to see. But there's enough light sufficient for you to see the space right where you're standing and a little bit of where you need to go. David remained in darkness. He was hunted by Saul, chased by others. But in that moment, he said, Lord, in this darkness, you are my light. It doesn't require displacement of the darkness. I just need enough light to see where I am right now where I'm walking. When you start seeking God, he illumines your darkness enough for you to see the path in front of you and where you need to go a little bit, no matter how dark it gets. When you start focusing on the darkness, David says, I will not 
give myself over to matters that are too wonderful or too difficult. Peering through the darkness and staring through the darkness, it's just too difficult. You can't solve it all. God says, here's all you need to see right here. Word says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Come on, Ruth. A lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Watch your step right this way. Watch your step right this way. Watch your step. Oh, it's so dark out here. Watch your step right this way. That's, that's the light you need. The Holy Spirit illuminating where you are right now. And what happens, it makes it so hard because when things are so dark, how many experience anxiety? Fear, worry, anger. Start looking like that. What did David say? I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child. How many got babies or had babies? I remember when they were nursing. To see a baby whining and to see a baby weaned, you'd almost think it's not the same child. When they're whining because they need milk, They are sobbing and screaming. Isn't that annoying? Do you want me to do it again? No. You get it. That baby is all over the place. Flailing, hitting mama, just kicking, raising their body, will not be comforted. And David says, when I'm like that, when the darkness, when my enemies... When my parents, I got to leave them at Mizpah with the king of Moab back at my great-grandma Ruth's home. When I'm all alone out here and 400 people are in debt are coming, after, coming to be with me and join with me. That's when I seek your face. I, you become my light. I wait for you. And that's not just a matter of time. The word wait is I put my hope in you rather than be overwhelmed by the despair that would come from staring at the darkness. And as I begin to put my hope in you, I start arresting the desires and the yearnings of my soul, and I begin to get quiet, and I begin calm, and it's amazing. A weaned child has no care in the world. David says, when the Lord is my light, who do I fear? Anxiety subsides. Worry rolls off you. Fear is cast out by the love of God. And you can think clear. And you can come to a place of rest. And you can be on the metro or in traffic. And it can be noisy. And you just go, Lord, I thank you. It's really dark. But you're my light. You're my salvation. I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of the dark because you're my light. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about our church or to watch video sermons, visit gracecovedc.org.